In Psalm 18, to the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. David said, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from mine enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me, and the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Hmm. Glowing coals flamed forth from him and he bowed down the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds, dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the Lord were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statues I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful you show yourself merciful, and with the blameless man you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure. And with the crooked, you make yourself seem tortuous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, my God, lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except for our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. 
I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust through them so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them as fine as dust before the wind, and I cast them out like mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of nations. People whom I have not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortress. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. You, yes, you, exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Amen. Marie, will you come and pray? Morning, sweet family. Let's talk to our Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning humbly in your glory. Lord, we thank you for who you are. It's such a comfort to know that you are in control in spite of all these times that are set before us. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you are the righteous, one true living God that we can turn to. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your love and your faithfulness for us. Thank you that you want to dwell among us in spite of our disobedience and our rebellion. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we bring our family before you today, Lord. We pray for those who are sick and uh, injured. We ask for healing for those and for those who are struggling emotionally and with grief, Lord. Lord, we pray for the marriages in our family that you would strengthen them with the tie that only you can bind. Lord, we pray that uh, fathers and mothers would raise their children equally and in your word, Lord. Lord, we pray for uh, those who are serving our country in the military and especially those who are abroad and away from their families. We ask for protection for them and that you would bring them home safely. Lord, we just thank you for the provision that you give us each day. Lord, we are so totally blessed, and we just take it for granted too often. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. But most of all, we thank you that you are the God of creation, that you are the God of salvation. Lord, how can we live without you? Thank you for sanctifying us every single day. Thank you for the growth that we have in you. Thank you for revealing new things to us every day of how much you love us and how much you are teaching us. Thank you for the fact that we live in a country where we can have 
your word before us every day. Forgive us for not reading it. Thank you, Lord, that we can not only have one Bible in our home, but many Bibles, and that they're there for us to read as we so choose. Please guide and direct us, Lord. Make us hungry for your word. Help us to dwell on it and to glean those nuggets that you have for us. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself day by day. Help us to grow. Holy Spirit, nudge us uh, daily, every minute by minute, Lord, so that we might learn more and more about you, Lord. Forgive us for the things that we do that hurt your heart, Lord. Help us to uh, become more and more like Christ every single day. Lord, we just thank you and praise you for this time together that we're able to worship here in your beautiful home. Thank you that you want to dwell with us, Lord. Help us, guide us, direct us. We thank you, Lord. Please keep loving us every single day. But most of all, Lord, we just thank you so much for the gift of your Son. We thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Marie. So one of the things I just want to say as we continue, uh, we are going through the, uh, the catechism questions, and really catechism is, is a form of teaching, and we're asking all these questions. And one of the things that I want you to understand, if you're, it's hard when we're doing it week by week because sometimes you miss the big picture. So big picture, God created everything, amen? God created you and I. God created you and I to love him and to know him and to serve him and obey him, okay? And, as, and he, later on, he gave the law and all those things. But one of the things that we need to, to see is that in God's intended plan, we'll just start right here with just this big, big spectrum of everything that, that God said in the beginning was very, very good, all right? And then one of the things that as we're, it's actually kind of funneling down to a point, and it's a historical point as well, but we're finding, especially as we answer the question today, that we're finding that, that it, even though did God create us to unable to keep his law? And the answer is no, but we're still sinners and we can't keep his law. And so everything is funneling down to a specific point in history. And that point in history is the cross. It's the cross of Calvary. And then we're, we're going to find in the catechism questions, and it's going to move from there uh, expressing and explaining the redeemer and bringing us back to the very, not the end, but really the beginning of life. And that's in heaven. And so when you look at the questions, they start at the beginning, and they take us all the way through to God's plan, all the way from start to finish. And really, his plan doesn't end. Amen? And so sometimes when we're in the middle of this, we find these little points that are kind of negative and kind of depressing, but we need to address them, and one of those is today. But before we do that, I have this little video that I want to share with you, and it's a little girl, and I just want you to just watch it, and then I'll go from there. Tell me what you need to do. Do you need to wash your hands? Uh-huh. Did you eat cake? No. <laughs> you didn't have any cake? No. <laughs> what have you been eating? Nothing. Nothing? You haven't had a single bit of cake? I you had some cake? You did. You ate cake? I'm funny. What? Are you funny? Am I funny? 
I think you're the funny one. Did you eat cake? Nope. Why do you need to wash your hands? Why are you, why are your hands sticky? And they come from the floor. How do they get sticky? They always come from the floor and they get sticky down the floor. Your hands got sticky from the floor? Let me see your hands. Sticky is from the cake. <laughs> it's from the cake? You've been eating cake? Why did you lie and tell me you didn't eat cake? I will wash my hands. Here, here's some soap. I think you better wash your face, too. This is, this is very poignant, okay? Did God create us unable to keep his law? And the answer is no. God created us to keep his law. But there's something that is in us that, as you can tell, begins at a very, very early age. All right? It's sin in us. And, and so, you know, here's just some things that I've just been pondering this, how to share this this week. And, and, uh, and, and so there's some things that I'm going to express today that are going to be really tough for us and yet are very important for us because they really help us in the bigger picture of God's plan. So do you ever, do you ever uh, find comfort in pointing to people who appear to be worse sinners than you? You don't have to raise your hands for that one, okay? Uh, uh, you, you know, here, here's the deal. There's only one conclusion that fits, and here it is. We stubbornly hold on to the possibility that we are more righteous than the Bible describes us to be. Did you catch that? We stubbornly hold on to the possibility that we are more righteous than the Bible describes us to be. The Bible describes us differently, though. And in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, there is an incredible verse there, and it should be a mirror to the hearts of mankind. And here it is. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It can't get more succinct than that, you guys. It's, it's what we would call total depravity. Total depravity. I wish that this verse was somehow describing uh, uh, some historic superclass of sinners that doesn't exist anymore. In fact, I've actually heard theologians try to say that it was. But it really is, uh, uh, but sadly, this text, is, it's a mirror. It's a mirror into which every human being that has ever lived and ever will live was meant to look at and see themselves. That's why it's so quickly mentioned in Scripture. It captures in a very few, in very few powerful words what the, what the theologians call total depravity. Total depravity, catch what I'm going to say, doesn't mean that as sinners that we are as bad as we possibly can be. What it actually means is that sin has reached every aspect of our personhood. Every aspect of our personhood has been infected by sin. Its damage of us and to us is total. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, motivationally, socially, 
We have been damaged by sin. Its, ra its ravages are inescapable. No one has dodged its scourge. And no one has, been, uh, has only been partially affected or infected. We are all sinners. We are all totally lost in depravity. That hurts. I know that's not what you, as you got ready to come to church, that's not what you wanted to hear today. Okay, but here it is. It, I don't like that description about myself, and I know that you don't like that description about yourself. I would like to believe that, that I am deprived, but not depraved. I would like to believe that maybe if I am depraved, but I'm, I'm just not completely depraved. But the scripture says differently. We are completely and totally depraved. We are separated from God. And you have to ask, how did it start? When did it start? If man was created perfect in God's image, how did we come to this, this sinful, self-centered, uh, depraved disposition? How did it happen? You see, in the beginning, in the beginning, the Bible tells us, um, and that's why we started there at the beginning of, of this whole category, Catechism questions. We started with God. It begins with God. The Bible tells us that when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image. And that means, among other things, that we were created to reflect God's goodness. God affirmed man's goodness when he looked at his entire creation, including Adam and Eve, and he said it was very good. Folks, we have to go back to the beginning to see where it started and what it was like, God's intent, where it was, so that we can understand where it is now and where we are right now. So Adam and Eve had been, had they had a perfect relationship with God. They were able to love him and obey him perfectly. But we are told in Scripture in the, in the third chapter of Genesis, that, that um, when uh, Satan tempted them with the lie that God isn't good. Now catch what I just said. Folks, I guarantee you when bad things happen to you, the first thing that comes into our hearts and our minds is this, is God really good? It happens. I've been there. None of us are exempt from that. Satan called to question God's goodness. Satan also called to question whether or not God could be trusted. That, uh, and, and basically within that context, that, that real freedom could be found apart from God and apart from God's love, apart from God's instruction, apart from God's word, that, that there could be true freedom in that. So when Adam and Eve believed and acted on that lie, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5 that sin entered the world as a virus. And the same way a virus enters the body, infecting all the whole body and infecting all of mankind from that time on. It's so important for us to understand that and to understand this. And so a lot of times, and I've had this conversation many, many times with people talking about the goodness, is, is there a void of goodness? You see, total depravity does not mean that people are void of all goodness. That's why you have people say, well, but I believe I'm a good person. Well, you know what? You are. You have goodness in you, amen? 
You have goodness in you. We were all made in God's image. And therefore, even in this fallen state, we are still capable of doing good and beautiful things. And we must understand that. That there's this balance, this dichotomy between total depravity, but we have been infected by sin completely, and the fact that we were still created in God's image to be good, to do good, to reflect God's goodness, to reflect God himself. But sin corrupts and has corrupted our ability to love God and to obey him with our whole heart, with our whole mind, and with, our whole, with all of our strength. Sin has infected every, every part of our being so that we are all born into sin, in sin, and guilt corrupt in our nature and unable to keep God's law. Why is this important? As Paul writes the book of Romans, and he's leading to this point in Romans chapter 5, and, and, and truly the first part of chapter 5 is important because it's really talking about the, the redemptive side of God's story. But as he begins in, in, in verse 12, it, it says, Therefore, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so spread to all men because all sinned. That is so important for us to understand. We need to be reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is part of the gospel, folks. You see, if there is no sin, there is no need for Jesus. If, there, if we have not fallen, there is no need for rescue. There is no need for redemption. There is no need for the cross. We have a need. Folks, can I just tell you this? That need was created pre-sin. The need begins with a need for God. The need now is because we have come to believe that we don't need God. That's total depravity. And because of that lack of need of God or for God in our lives, then God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, 19-22, it says this, For in Him, Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of, on his, of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Amen? That's just an incredible passage. Folks, can I just tell you something today? And this is, this is to the church. This is to the believers, okay? There is no need for us to line up all the good things that we have done uh, as a counterbalance for all of our wrongs. You know what? When, I've, when I'm blamed or when I'm criticized for doing something wrong, what is my first response? I want to defend myself. I want to say, well, no, but what about, and look at what I did here, and look at what I did there. There is no need for us to line up all the good things that we have done as a counterbalance for all of our wrongs. You see, Romans chapter 5, 1 and 2 say this. <clears throat> Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we 
have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Each of us, folks, each of us, each one of us needs grace, the grace of God, not only to forgive us of our sins, but, it, but that same grace also frees us from something that I, I think is so important for us to get a hold of today. It frees us from the, the, the self-atoning prison of our, own, of our own righteousness. Let's call it self-righteousness, that I'm good enough. We are not only uh, uh, we are not only held uh, held captive by our sin, but we are also held in this delusion that we are good enough. And folks, the Scripture, God in His Word, makes it very clear: all have fallen because of Adam, and all are in need of redemption, of rescue, of salvation, of justification of being cleansed through sanctification and one day being glorified. We are all in need of that. Why? So that we can one day be with him again in, in, in glory. That is what it's there for. And so as even, the, even uh, King David, as he wrote in Psalm 51, said these words, he, we must humbly, humbly, humbly confess, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. That's David crying out to God in Psalm 51, 1 and 2. Again, as we focus in on this, and this is very short and very succinct today, but I want you to understand the question again is, did God create us create us unable to keep his law? And the answer is no. But because of the disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, all of creation is fallen. We are all born in sin and guilt, corrupt in our nature and unable to keep God's law. God informs us of that and tells us of that. Why is this important? Why is this so important? Why would we take the time in a, in a question teaching form to ask this question? Well, here it is. Our position and our condition before God help us understand our need for help outside of ourselves. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Folks, the importance of this is clear from God's perspective. It lays out our position. It lays out our condition. And it helps us to understand that God is the one who rescues, that God is the one who saves. We need rescued, folks. We need saved. We need redeemed. We need forgiven. We need God. That's it. We need God. We need His gracious love to save us and to, to restore us. And that happened through Jesus Christ, God in human form, coming for this, 
in, with the sole purpose of rescuing us from ourselves. And so we need God's saving grace, not only because and for salvation, but I'm just going to press that and say we need God's saving grace every single day of our lives. You see, one of the things that we mess up, I mess up, is that, well, I'm saved and that's all I need. No, I need to be saved, not from sin. I need to be saved from myself every single day. Because that very passage that God describes in Genesis 6, 5 are so true. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It's depressing, yes, but it's also enlightening because it points me to the cross. It points me to Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. It points us to his saving grace. And it points me there again and again and again. You know, in chapter 6 of Romans 5, and this is for free, it's not in my notes today as we close. Here's the argument that came up. Well, I'm saved by grace. And all God's people said, Amen. But here's the question that came after that and that Paul has to address in chapter 6. Well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may, may abound? And he says, no, may it never be. In other words, people are saying, well, I'm saved. God has rescued me. I am now part of his family and I'm okay and I'm good to do whatever I want. No, in the book of Galatians, God says, don't use your faith, your salvation as a license for sin, to sin. But use it to glorify him. Folks, it is a battle that wages war in our lives. The depravity of our hearts is total. Yes, it's been eradicated because of Christ, but we still, we still struggle under the, the, the residual effects of sin in us. It's called the flesh. I'd love to say that my week with my wife was perfect, but I can't. I'd love to say that my week with other people was perfect, but I can't. Why? Not because of them, but because of me. Because of sin in me. That God had to check my heart again and again. So I just want to tell you something. It's not fun to get up here and preach because it's true confession. We need God. And we need Him every day of our lives. We're going to sing a song in closing, one that we know very well, Amazing Grace, with my chains are gone. But I just want to say this as we sing it today. If, in fact, you have not come to that place of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your personal Savior today, can I just say this? That's where it begins. That's where rescue begins. That's where redemption begins. That's where... Um, where everything begins to change, when you give your heart and life back to Christ, God in the flesh, and say, Lord, be my Lord, be my Savior. Rescue me from myself. That's where it begins.
asking him to be your Lord and be your Savior today and committing your life to him. That's where it begins. And I just want to encourage you today, if that's where you are today, do not leave this building without praying that prayer in the, in the heart of your own heart or at least come, ask me, ask someone else, okay, how do I do this? Let's stand as we sing this song today, as we close. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first my chains are gone, my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Lord has promised good. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He will my and portion be as long as life. chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, sing that again. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing. shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, 
but God who called me here below will be Father, would you walk with us and talk with us through your word and through others? God, may we be your ambassadors of light and your goodness and your moral character in the world that we live in today, knowing that this last verse that we just sang is a reality. The world as we know it will not go on forever. But your kingdom, the new heaven and the new earth will be established and we will reign with you forever and ever and ever. But it requires that we believe in you. It requires that we surrender to you, to your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, it requires that we would sacrifice and surrender, Lord, to you each and every day of our lives and walk with you in full love and obedience. So God, may we be your light. May we be your mouth. May we be your ambassadors as we go from here. We want to say thank you, God, for being with us and in us today. Lord, I think of the passage in, the, in Revelations where it says that there will be no more temple. Lord, because you, the temple, will be in our very midst and Jesus Christ will be the light. God, we look forward to that day. We want to say thank you. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for how you're moving everything to bring all things, Lord, to that place where we could be with you forever. Until that day, God, may we be helped. May we be uh, yours completely. So thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And on God's old, all God's people said, amen. God bless as you go from here today.